We can I screwed this up Actually, royally. Actually, we can, we can, oh, no, we probably, somebody can't get in the room, and if they open the door, it'll probably be pretty <laughs> disturbing to the recording. <laughs> order some beers over. Let's all, we order, hey, Will, please send beers back to <laughs> that, the phone That booth. should be, that is totally, a, a, like, a service that we should build, a, a Slack bot that brings you beer. <gasps> that delivers beers to your desk on, like, Friday, like, it, he like takes your order at friday at three o'clock he comes into the like general channel and it's like no hey, you just, Boston. whenever whenever you want to whenever you want a beer you just say like beer me slack bot and suddenly like uh <laughs> a postmates guy comes with a <laughs> case of beer hello this is the tentative podcast where we talk about product design uh, I'm Kyle Fiedler, and filling in for Rada today is Brenda Storer. Yeah. Uh, hey. <laughs> so I invited you on this podcast because uh, last night you gave a really great talk on SCGs, and I learned a lot. And so hopefully, without like being able to show anyone anything because this is all audio. Um, I'm I'm hoping that we can like relay some more of that information. Yeah. Um <laughs> that might be challenging at times because some some of your talk was about code, but um screw it. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I think we need to get out of the way right away is the whole copy from Illustrator and paste into uh any text file and you get SVG code. Yeah, this was the best part of the talk, the the reaction in the room um, when I showed this. And so this is a tip I got from one of our designers in the New York office, Will McMahon, is that you can just select anything you want within an Illustrator file and copy it to your clipboard, you know, either using Command-C or you know, going to the file, copy. Um, and then you can open any text editor. I use Sublime Text. And if you hit paste, it will paste the SVG code. So the thing that blew my mind the most about that was that the SVG code was cleaner than the exported. Like if you exported it out as an SVG in Illustrator, you get a bunch of the cruft that Illustrator gives you and um, the view box, which we can get into later, like actually starts at zero zero, which in Illustrator, like when you export it out, it might not necessarily do that. Yeah, I've struggled trying to figure out how to make my artboard in Illustrator perfect so that I can, when I export my SVG, it the view box starts at zero zero. Although I was always too afraid to manipulate anything anyway, I, I ju it just seemed like something was off because my view box was starting at like negative 6.789, you know, and it just seemed like it wasn't efficient. And so that's also the, the other great thing about um, the copy paste thing from Illustrator is that it always starts the view box at zero, zero, and it makes the view box the perfect size around your um, illustration. Or your vector. So I think I I, th I think I kind of jumped the gun there, but like, can you explain a little bit what the view box is and how it shows up in SVG code? Okay, so um, there's the concept of the viewport, which is the 
height and width of an SVG. Um, the viewport we also are very familiar with as uh, the browser window we refer to as a viewport. Um, but the SVG has its own viewport, uh, which is just the height and width of the SVG. Um, and that's in, you know, pixels. Usually it's relative. It's, it's what we're all familiar with, um, you know, 200 pixels by 100 pixels SVG viewport is the same as a 200 pixel by 100 pixel image on your web page. It would take up the same amount of space. But then there is the concept of SVG of the view box, um, which is setting up the coordinate system that all of the shapes and paths in or all the elements in your SVG refer to those coordinates to know where to draw themselves. How was that explanation without any visuals? Did that come across? I think okay. that was pretty good. I, have, yeah. I think I so feel it, pretty it shows good about up that as, too. as four numbers, right? Um, yeah. And, and the best way to describe it, like, or the best way I think to have it is, is to, the starting point is usually, or hopefully zero, zero. Uh, and then the other two probably relate to your width and height of the viewport. Yes. Am I getting the of the view? view no, of the port. view box. I know okay. of, the, of the view box. Um, and so the first two coordinates, which is it's nice if it's zero zero, um, are the x and y of the starting point of where you the the, the view box draws from. So if it's zero zero, it's going to be zero zero on the uh, view port two. Um, so it would be the top left corner. Um, yep. And then the other two values refer to how big that view box is. Um, the the third value is the x axis, so the, that would like be the width. And then the fourth value is the y, um, which would be how tall it is. But it draws down from the top left corner, so that would be the top, or excuse me, the bottom left corner, if it was a box. I'm totally like gesticulating with my hands to draw all of this <laughs> you know, to, to visually show you how it makes I'm, sense. I'm sure that will be conveyed to everyone when, when they listen to this. They'll be able to see all of your gestures in their minds. Um, so that was interesting to me. But m before that, like you went over a lot of the cruft that ah. Adobe Illustrator and um, Sketch in particular, like, spit out at you? They put so much stuff in there. They just, uh -huh. I mean, Sketch especially. Just So my workflow for that used to be, maybe it still will be if, if I'm super lazy, but just running through SVGO or just SVG Go or SVGo or however yeah, you I don't want know. to call it. I like open to say source... SVG Go, but I think that's wrong. <laughs> I think you're adding an extra G in there. I know, but it sounds it sounds funner. It sounds cooler. It sounds yeah. So th that for me has been my workflow for a little while is just throwing into that, and that being able to like remove all of that junk. Yeah. Why did you want to go through and, and see like what was actually important and what wasn't? And then is is this something now that that like when you do add SVGs to your projects, are you doing it by hand? Yeah, I do it by hand. Because for the most part, since I really started like understanding SVGs, I'm not drawing really fancy, complicated things. 
if, if I'm creating a really huge illustration that has tons of paths and tons of shapes, like going in by hand and removing every class name that sketch like inserts in there is probably not an efficient use of my time. Uh, but if I'm just, you know, making a little icon um, and it's only like two shapes, then uh, it, it's easier for me to do that. I think I also have like the reverse problem of most developers where they don't want to do something by hand. So they'll like create something that will just automate it for them, um, where sometimes I don't like to do that because I like to do things repetitively in a way that will help me remember it. Like I don't use shortcuts in with Git because otherwise otherwise I'll forget what those things are. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So I, I don't I've totally gone down that road. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I mean I type origin incorrectly every time I type it, but um, <laughs> I know what it is. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> so I think uh, I think like optimizing my own SVGs kind of was me going down that path of like wanting to understand it, so I'm gonna do it the hard way to understand it, if that makes sense. I think so. I think like it's a better path than I took, which was just like, oh, there's this tool that'll strip everything unnecessary away and I don't have to actually learn about it. <laughs> the, actually, the other thing was the thing that got me interested in researching or learning more about SVGs was last year at CSS Conf in 2014. Um, it was the first time I think that Sarah Sweden spoke on SVGs. And it was kind of the, one of the first talks about SVGs, and she just blew the room away. And I was super inspired, and, and I just wanted to like go into a corner and play around um, for the rest of the conference. Um, I, and I so I started to look at SVG Go, and actually, you know what kept me away from it is I it was like Node, and I was like, oh gosh, I, I hate dealing with those things. <laughs> so I, instead of like having to figure out how to do something with note and i don't know maybe it's like super simple i was like i'm just gonna i'm not gonna do this <laughs> <laughs> so then my other experience has just been going in and randomly deleting things until i figure out that i've broken the svg yeah yeah but that's super easy you can do that like <laughs> in, the, in the, the first thing you touch <laughs> right so like how did you go about like methodically learning about the actual um, what is necessary versus what isn't? There was a book that I did most of, and it's SVG Compressed by Jacob Jenkov. This book, so I bought it on Kindle, which was silly because it has all these like colorful examples and illustrations. Um, and I have like, you know, a paper with white Kindle, which, which couldn't do that. And then I realized that um, he has the whole book online and it has videos and um, and and it has like better examples on there too, um, and so that was kind of my starting point was going through this book, and then when I'd get to things uh, that he'd explain, and then I'd like Google search to find out more about it. Um, so like namespacing was one of those things that was kind of like a rabbit hole for some reason. I found namespacing really interesting because there are these these you know unique identifiers for XML files and their URLs but they often don't even go anywhere. Like that's like, well, I don't know. There's just something <laughs> charming about that. I don't know. Yeah. I enjoy when, when you did your talk yesterday that you, you pulled up the one that sketch um, puts in and it goes to a 404 page. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you, you showed a bunch of other examples about doing shapes and gradients and animation. What right now are, are you like most excited to do? And like, what are you actually using in, in like client projects? Um, so the way I've been doing things in client projects is recently, every the most time I've used SVGs are, are for icons. So like I said, like they're simple, um, but I would have a, like usually we're working on a platform. So I'm working on a rail Ruby on Rails project or on an Ember JS application. And so they already have like, a system where you pull in partials, you know, bits of code, you know, to compile a page. So I'd, I'd usually create a folder in there somewhere that was um, SVGs and then just keep an individual SVG file in there, that folder, and then import it as a partial when I needed to use it. But uh, what I really want to try is uh, the technique that I talked about that Chris Coyer um, does where he defines um, symbols for all of his icons in one SVG and then injects that SVG but doesn't display it on every page. I think he injects it with JavaScript. So it's basically like a font file um, just of all these symbols and the symbols can be as many um, as complex as many paths and shapes as you need them to be and then all you have to do is like simply call SVG make an SVG element and inside make an element say use and then call the name of one of those symbols. Uh, I think that sounds super exciting and I want to um, explore using that in a project. So you brought up a good point of like what's, if you're using SVGs just for icons, is there a benefit to using just SVGs as opposed to the the font icons that you talked about? I think I mean, from what I've been reading, it seems like the world is the world. Um, it seems <laughs> like as, as front end developers, um, font icons, we're kind of moving away from font icons that they um, aren't as reliable. Um, I think the two main reasons why I've stopped using icon fonts are that they're not as reliable in browsers. Um, we'll display them differently. And I've, I've had problems with that in the past. Um, or like line height will get strange in certain browsers. I don't know. Maybe that stuff's been worked out. And also you're, you know, you're usually, I mean, it depends if you're, you can be importing like all of these icons that you aren't using um, because you're importing one whole font file. Uh, and also that they aren't as uh, accessible. They're not, you know, really semantic. Um, yeah. And an and, and SVG you can make more semantic and, and you can just have more control over them. I want control. <laughs> I want all the control. So, <laughs> the big reason why I've started using a lot more SVGs instead of the font icons is just like I've run into so many bugs where like if the font doesn't render properly, it just shows up as a box, as like a mm. unrecognized uni Unicode yes. symbol. And so yeah. on a Mac that shows up as a box, I, I don't remember what it does in Windows, but like I've run into so many bugs uh, with that. And like, <laughs> I think my frustration for font icons can, Fonts came are such a directly pain, from that. Right. And, and also, I, re I think also I remember I'd like to use in typo a lot. I mean, now actually I will open up in typo in Illustrator 
and I'll render the glyph of the icon I want to use and then I'll copy it <laughs> and then paste it into uh, Sublime and then create an icon of it. But I love to use in typo, except I hated their Pinterest logo in, in typo because it was like, it's not the, like the Pinterest logo is a circle already. And all the in typo icons, social icons were circles, but it wasn't the right like ratio of the P inside of the circle based on their logo. So I'd always like just use their real logo. And so then I had one thing that was different than all the rest. Like everybody else was in typo. <laughs> detail-oriented designer yeah i don't i don't think i ever used the pinterest icon in in typo yeah no it's it's not good never never bothered me (laughs) um what so i wanted to ask you about uh the talk too like what uh what did you already know and what like besides like the copy paste what else surprised you the most um, I actually already knew about the uh, like the animation technique that that you showed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been able to uh, actually use it, um, but it seems super interesting. It actually only made sense to me when I was describing it during the presentation. <laughs> the first time it made sense to me. <laughs> do, do you want to take a minute and like yeah. try and describe what's going on? <laughs> um. So in in SVG, you can do all these attributes on a stroke, which is the is the same kind of thing as a border in CSS. Um, but you can actually um, create dashes, dashed lines on on a border, um, and you can control the size of the dashes and the size of the spaces in between the dashes. Um, so starting with that, if you create a path and it has, let's say it's 200 pixels wide, and then you create a dash array, stroke dash array is the attribute, and you make it the same length as your path, which would be 200 pixels. And I guess that's, it's, it's not that simple. It's not just like the length, it's the whole squiggly line of the path, however long it is. Um, so then you have one dash that fills up your whole path. And then after it is basically a space that is also the same length as your path. So there's also an attribute with SVGs called dash offset, which allows you to move where the start of your stroke dash is. So if you manipulate your stroke dash array, which is as long as your path, but with the dash offset, it creates the illusion that your line is being drawn and it's being moved. And so I referenced an article by Jake Archibald called Animated Line Drawing in SVG, and he's got like a great little, what are these things called? Uh, a demo. Yeah, a great little demo, but like that you can you can play around with 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 buttons to like understand how that works and and play with it. I like that's a technique that I knew existed and I kind of got it and then yeah, totally yesterday. I think like that's the other thing cuz I also started looking at SVG specifically because I wanted to try and give a talk, a technical talk which I hadn't really done before. Like I I teach um HTML and CSS for girl develop it. And I really enjoyed that. And I found that 
I learned, I mean, I was teaching, but I feel like I learned as much as I was teaching, like having to teach somebody else concepts that I thought I understood. Like I really had to get into the nitty gritty of it and understand it in order to teach it. And it, it made me so much better. So I thought, oh, with SVGs, I can do the same thing. I'm going to plan to do a talk on it. So I'll have to figure it out so then I can teach it. <laughs> that is always like a really good way to learn something is like to either force yourself to write a blog post about it or try and teach it. Um, Cause you end up learning like if you know it well enough to actually teach it, you just like have so much more knowledge of it. <laughs> yeah. And it also gives me a deadline <laughs> to have to get something <laughs> done by, which is always useful. So how are you using SVGs on projects these days? Uh, I use them similarly to the way that you described you use them. So um, I'm keeping them as separate entities. Um, I'm not grouping them. I honestly, like, I see the benefit of it in a non-Rails project, but I'm not sh totally sold on, like, including it on every page, especially when you're not using every icon on every page. Because I imagine it's still including all of the SVG code. And even, like... I'm sure like gzipped, it's probably like tiny. Yeah. Uh, I still don't like extra stuff. You know what? We came across, and I didn't like investigate this bug a lot, but um, I was on another project where somebody was doing that was like inlining the SVG from a partial. And it was just a little place. It, it was like on a table where it was either selecting or unselecting an item in a table. But this table uh, row, it, it could have like infinite amount of rows and it ended up kind of slowing things down and we realized that we could just fulfill that it was actually just like a circle that was getting filled and we're like why is this svg you know like it's a circle <laughs> so i think that there's that you can fall into that trap too like where you get excited oh my new toy but you know css can do a lot too by itself in html yeah so i've just been including Icons, I guess. I guess I, I think I haven't. I haven't used SVG for anything other than icons. You know, bringing them in like the same workflow that you described, which is like making them partials in uh, the Rails app or in Ember app, and throwing them in when as needed. So it's not totally different than than what you said yours was. Uh, I think the main thing that I'm doing that I think you weren't doing was like as I throw in. Uh, individual icons i'm also throwing them through svgo or how does svgo work like is it do you do it through the terminal you target a folder and it just optimizes them you you can do a couple different things you can yeah, it's basically a command line interface as like that's all i've used at least um and so you just say svgo to a folder um you can say svgo to a certain file um, and that's the two ways that I usually use it. So like, uh, I know when like I'm including one, I can usually run SVGO on that single file, but if I'm including multiples, I'll, I'll usually run it on the folder. The big issue that I've run into with SVGO is that sometimes like if I run it twice on the same file, it gets a different result. And because like, because it shortens it to just one line, so the SVG is basically on one line. Oh, um, it's hard to like find. What it's hard happened. to like, yeah, see the diff there and figure out why there's a change. 
So that's, I guess, the biggest issue that I have with that. And I know I've seen some of your pull requests, and I know Christian here, you know, hand cleans up the icons. And oh, he it does looks, too? Yay! Yeah. It looks so much nicer. <laughs> I think one of the things that you, you said is like, I'm not totally sure that this is worth my time, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I love that, like, you guys care about the code to that that level of detail. I um, love and- deleting things more than anything. So, <laughs> like, there's nothing better than a diff in a PR where you've deleted more lines than you've committed. Like, I'm addicted <laughs> to that feeling. I always so. like the uh, the feeling where you, like, removed... You, you have zero additions and, like, thousands of lines of deletions. That's yeah. the best feeling. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Tentative is sponsored by CodeSchool. Uh, CodeSchool is an online learning destination for existing and aspiring developers. Brenda, have you used CodeSchool before? Yeah, I love CodeSchool. I, I really like how interactive it is. and it, it has enough of like you follow along with somebody and then you have to do something by yourself, which is uh, the best way for me to learn. So, Yeah, the videos and then the in-browser challenges are really awesome. Do they actually, I wonder if they have like SVG code school. Ooh, I don't know. I've done their, their Ember. Um, is their Ember one very good? Yeah. Their nice. Ember one so everyone should go check out code school, uh, check out their Ember course. Uh, and uh, if you rate us on iTunes, we'll, you'll be put into a drawing for a free month of code school. Ooh, cool. So yeah, go rate us and go to code school. Thank you for sponsoring Tentative. So have you actually not used SVGO? No, I never have. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, screw this. I'm I'm not using this. I can do this. I don't need that. I don't need tools. I'm going to write everything like like in the very early days um, when I was first learning, not even learning. I don't know. When I was like in the 90s. Um, I was using like my text editor on my Mac to write HTML and I had like no, I mean, I don't know what people like who knew what they were doing those days, but I didn't know at all what I was doing. And that was the only way I knew how to like do anything. And, but it had no like colorizing of code. And then I didn't understand that I could just save it as an HTML file and it would be okay. Like I still kept it as a TXT file and then I'd (laughs) upload it, which would take forever to like a server. And then I'd change the name there. So it would render (laughs) doing things the hard way. So, so painful. (laughs) (laughs) So did you actually use like the text edit application on Mac? Yeah. Like the default text edit application. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's super hardcore <laughs> right <laughs> i made mistakes all the time <laughs> I mean, you know how hard it is to find like that you didn't like use a closing bracket yeah i can imagine without the code hinting yeah like not being able to see <laughs> those errors uh would have been really hard yeah but it I was it was basically paragraph tag <laughs> closing were, paragraph were you tag. were you also break, using break. tables no, this before tables. I mean, it was, my my websites were literally image tag, paragraph tag, you know, HTML styles because it was like before CSS or CSS was really a thing. Break, break, paragraph, <laughs> break, break. 
So essentially, you wrote Dreamweaver code without actually <laughs> being in Dreamweaver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, and then when I learned Dreamweaver, I was like, "Wow, this is amazing! <laughs> this is the best thing ever." I, oh, I, I was asking you what um, I asked you what you already knew, but like, what was your biggest surprise, or like, also like, what do you think like the people in the room? I mean, obviously the like copy paste thing was went over well, um, <laughs> but what else do you think was new information that was like or most interesting? For me, it was really interesting to hear about the. It's not doc type stuff, is it? What was the the stuff? The in namespacing. The, the namespacing, just because I didn't understand what all of that was. Uh, and so understanding like which ones I can get rid of and which ones I need to keep was like, for me, that was interesting. Understanding, like I've seen sketches export of an SVG so many times and I've seen their like useless title and description tag. And like, I didn't know that that was actually useful for people for accessibility reasons. Yeah. And so like that to me... As, like I guess there wasn't anything like as mind blowing, <laughs> as mind blowing as the copy paste thing, but like each one of those like themselves was like interesting to me, and and I didn't totally understand why, like what the numbers were in the view box. Yeah. So like understanding that the the first two are the first coordinates. And then the next two numbers are the X and the Y value. Um, honestly, like it was really nice for me because you like did all the research that I, I, I've wanted to do, but didn't like just haven't gotten around to, um, those to me were like the most important. What do you think is going to be the most, or if anything, like just actually useful to take away for me, it'll be those. Like, a lot of the other, like, going through the shapes was nice, but, like, I think for the most part, I'm going to still rely on Illustrator or Sketch oh, totally. to Not do sure. that. <laughs> if we ever have to write paths ourselves, like... Yeah, I'll start crying. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> cool. So, like, that that's interesting, but, like, that's not actually something that's going to help me on a project. Um, the gradients is interesting, but I, I feel like I've used it before. But yeah, I haven't used uh, gradients and SVGs before, so I'm not even sure if that's incredibly useful. But it's all interesting. I don't know. There's it something is. about I, like I I really enjoy the animation, <laughs> just right. because well, like and there's there's never going to be a, a use case for me for it. Like I'm, there's never going to be a point which I can be like, hey client, I'm going to spend a day animating the stroke on this. So it looks like someone is drawing on your website. Um, yeah, but it's super cool. (laughs) That's something I think about a lot, like with, um, or I was having a conversation last night about, you know, consulting versus working on a product. And I mean, there's just positive, you know, there's positives in both. And then there's like drawbacks in both. And I, I, you know, the main positives, and I know that I really like working in consulting because I like the variety. I like getting to know different industries. Um, and, you know, when you bounce around from different projects, I like working with different people. Um, but one of the things that I think we don't get an opportunity to do is, 
I guess it also depends on where you're working when you're working on a product, if you have that time and if they're supportive of the exploration. Like, we'll never have a project where we can spend time to figure something like that out, you know, something special like that out, um, unless it's a internal thing. Yeah, we also have investment days too. Yeah, to, yeah. To kind so of we do could that. do something like that on investment day. But so besides the like hand drawn effect, how else would you like animate SVGs? I think uh, iconic font um, is a really good example of the power of what you can do. Where they have um, icon sets that they're responsive, as in when they get smaller, they get more simple. Um, and so they're more understandable. And so like the drawing actually changes that you can do that with, you know, when something's responsive, I think would be really fun to explore. And there's so much possibility with that. Um, But other than, than that, like you can just apply any other CSS animations to it, right? Yeah. Are there other like interesting ways like oh, I I enjoyed the the one demo that you gave of like you animating the uh, the clouds on the Manhattan JS project. Thanks. That was like <laughs> when I didn't know any JavaScript. <laughs> I started <laughs> organizing a JavaScript meetup, and I like and I made I wrote that JavaScript, and it's like two lines, and I was so proud. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I think simple things like that are like a really nice effect. Um, is that using, so that's using JavaScript, uh, clearly like it's, it's an animation as you scroll. So you need to know. position. Yeah, so it's, um, it's on the website for manhattanjs.com and it, there's a Chrysler building animation and then there's two clouds next to it. And the clouds, when the page, when you scroll down the page, the clouds just kind of move alongside the Chrysler building and they move differently as if they're in perspective. Um, so yeah, they just, each, each cloud is a, I think they're just one shape. They're just one path. So they each have their own class name and I targeted them with a scroll event so that they respond to the, when the page scrolls, they are translated, transform translated, um, a certain way. So super simple, but it, yeah, I agree too. Like, I think it's so easy. And when I first started thinking about um, what I could do on that page, I started to like, I'm going to make like buildings grow from the bottom and do all this like crazy stuff. But I, I think like that's such an easy trap to go down where oftentimes just something like one thing that's like really simple can have the most impact. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Like that those little things are, they're like delightful and they don't get in the way and um, they're not in your face little surprises right is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to touch on no i mean i think i should give um i have my slides up on the web was probably a good thing yeah and we can include your slides and like we'll have links for a lot of the things that we talked about in our uh, show notes i mean we could also talk a little bit about i don't know how much time we have but like just about talking. So yeah, that how did you think it went and like how did like, you think it went? <laughs> I mean that was my second time giving a technical talk. I don't think I've ever given a technical talk. I've given design talks 
Um, I thought it went really well. I think you benefited from like having somewhat of a smaller crowd and you were able to like on the fly kind of show us different things um, and answer questions. Like I really enjoy when I am actually giving the talk to have more of like a conversation with people. Yeah, definitely. Um, as opposed to like me uh, with the podium and, and expecting everyone that, that to think that I like know everything. Yeah, I think I tried to do that on purpose and it actually worked. And so I it was, I think my third slide, like I did the me slide. Hi, I'm Brenda. I work at ThoughtBot. <laughs> and then here's my Twitter fan handle. Follow me. And then, and then the next slide was like you. So, you know, who's a designer, who's a developer, who works with SVGs, who does JavaScript? Like, like part of that was A, for me to understand the room in a room of people I had no idea who was going to be there. And two, to also, like, promote interactivity already, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, and then people kind of did start asking questions, and I was really excited about that. Yeah. Um, I, I also, like... I was way, like, I wasn't nervous, nervous. I was more, I had more anxiety, like, leading up to it that I wasn't going to be prepared. But then, like, once it happens, it's, like, <laughs> fine. Yeah, that's always my, for me, too. Like, I hate the, like, hour before the talk. For me, that's, like, so anxiety-ridden. And then, like, once I'm, like, into the talk after I've gotten through, like, the five, first five minutes... I start to relax and, and like calm myself down. But I'm also like, I don't really enjoy getting up in front of people. I also have like, it's probably a form of imposter syndrome where like, as soon as I learn something, I think that everyone else knows it. Yeah. And so I think like, why do they actually want to listen to me? Like, I have nothing to pride them that they should already know this. It's easy. <laughs> and, and like, I think that thinking, certainly hurts me especially like in leading up to it i'm like i'm not going to provide them any useful information they already know this like why am i talking about this this is uh. stupid <laughs> and so like for me one of the biggest hurdles is getting over that yeah i mean we all do that right um do you have any other like tricks since this i guess it was your your second talk did you learn anything new from it like what are you going to do differently next time yeah i learned a ton from it i mean i think I well first it was it was rec video recorded so I'm terrified and fascinated waiting to see myself like I I'm always terrified and fascinated when I see myself in video but I think that's going to be really good if, if I when I can look at it objectively <laughs> um to understand myself like I I I don't think I was talking fast but I know everybody talks fast when they're giving talks so I just kind of want to want to see my manner I think the the other thing and that works for me is being casual um and open in your and that's something that we can do in our field that's you know that's expected or that's you know that's fine as part of our culture and that's more what I'm like so that makes me feel more comfortable if I'm not having to present myself super formally um, and so if I'm more comfortable, I'm going to feel more confident, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I do like things like we, we didn't do it last night, but like, I like to get to the place a little earlier to like feel a little more confident and comfortable in my, like the environment. 
and that that helps me sometimes yeah yeah other than that i don't i don't know take a shot beforehand no i didn't do that (laughs) i know like there are people that like to do that i like to go for a run not like right before it but like the morning of just because i know that it'll get rid of some of the extra energy and anxiety that i'd have like if i didn't leading up to it that's good that's a good idea i also right when because we were working together in an office yesterday and then you left about an hour before I did. And as soon as you left, I closed the door and like went through my talk as if I was giving it like very <laughs> quietly. Right. So I did that like an hour before I actually gave the talk. And that I think calmed me down a lot because I was like, oh, I know. I know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> like just that it was right beforehand. I also really enjoy uh the conversations afterwards because uh, cuz I don't I don't I didn't think about it that like I really just showed my personality and I've just kind of showed myself in a way um to people whom I don't know and then the way people approach you afterwards to talk to you kind of rem- like was nice like everybody was super nice and um you know I think like that was a form of feedback was how people approached me afterwards in a positive way Yeah, no, I think it totally does. I think allowing your personality to show in your talk and in your slides is is really important. And that'll also really important to have boy bands (laughs) animated (laughs) gifts in your slides. I think it's just really important to have animated gifts in your slides. I think so too. I do too. There I've never seen a good talk without animated gifts. So there's that or memes. (laughs) Or both. Hopefully both. Both. Yeah, and I also like hopefully like you're comfortable with who you are or like whoever's giving the talk is comfortable with who they are. So like the more you can display that, you know, the better off you'll be and the more comfortable you'll be giving the talk. Yeah. It's fun. I'd do it again. <laughs> so, if anyone is looking for someone to give a talk at their <laughs> conference or meetup, <laughs> shoot an email to Brenda. <laughs> Okay. I think we're at a good point to end this. Cool. So thank you so much, Brenda, for filling in for Ada. So everyone listening, you can find our show notes, especially with a lot of those uh, helpful links that that Brenda uh, mentioned throughout our conversation uh, at tentative.fm slash 10. You can tweet us at tentative.fm. You can email us at hosts at tentative.fm. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes. Brenda, do you actually, you want to give everyone your Twitter handle or like, sure. If people want to reach out to you to have you speak, where should they go? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm Brenda at thoughtbot.com. I'm Brenda Marie NYC at my Twitter handle, which means I can never move. Um, And, (laughs) or I'm Brenda store at gmail.com. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much. (laughs) 